Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to episode number 29 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz. Today we're talking with the fabulous Dr. John A. Robinson, board-certified naturopathic medical doctor specializing in natural integrative therapeutics, endocrinology, and mind-body medicine, and he's also the author of The Hormone Zone, which I'd like to get. I'm going to put that in my little Amazon shopping cart. Navigating metabolism through whole health transformation, he also created a unique and refreshing approach for the treatment of thyroid disease called Thyrozone and was listed in Phoenix Magazine's Top Doctors of 2014. That is just so very cool. We are very excited to talk to him, but just a few things first. If you tuned in last week, which we hope you did, you heard us chatting with the amazing Shemaine Nugent, who is the Periscope queen, by the way. I just love it. If you want to get to know Shemaine, you've got to join her on Periscope. And Dana, too. Dana's Periscoping with Thyroid Nation. It's just a very, very cool thing, and it's live. I love that. So she has an amazing health journey. It's so much fun, right? I'm I'm going to do it. I swear I was going to do it yesterday at the farmer's market. And I was so busy, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yes, yes. I feel like a little choo-choo train. Anyways, Shemaine has an amazing health journey, um, which involves mold and the thyroid, and, and it's something that people kind of, you know, just pass over as a root cause many times. Uh, catch her in the Thyroid Nation radio archives. You can also listen to other great uh, shows that we've had in the past, including Dr. Holtorf, Mary, uh, Mary Showman, uh, Susie Cohen, Isabella Wentz, Dr. Christensen. Oh, my gosh, we could, we could mention all 28 episodes, couldn't we, Dana? Everybody has been so fabulous. Ah. You can We're also so see the lineup of wonderful, I know, right? You, just, you do such an amazing job of bringing uh, just, just fabulous, informative guests on here. So anyways, if you want to catch some of our uh, past shows on Thyroid Nation Radio, uh, go to the Thyroid Nation Radio page, and you can check out future guests as well, like we're going to have Dr. Jill Carnahan, which is going to be so exciting, Gina Lee Nolan, who is an just extraordinary thyroid advocate, uh, Dr. Tom O'Brien, which Dana and I have to totally prepare for that show. <laughs> yes, we do. And our own Shannon Garrett Autoimmune RN, which is going to be very cool because she's part of the Thyroid Nation team as well, Thyroid Nation Radio team. Anyway, Dana, I have to jump in real quick and tell you that her book, Shannon Garrett's, and now, of course, the page I was on, uh, it's gone now, but her new book, I'll get the name of it while we're on the show, is now uh, available on Amazon. So I was really excited for her. So she's she's got oh, a book very out. Very exciting. Now, yeah, she. She just posted that the other day, so we'll get that up, and I'll I'll tell you the name of it. I can't remember for the life of me all of a sudden. So, but anyway, okay, <laughs> that's it. Uh, two loose thyroid people. Anyways, okay. Um, it looks like Dr. Robinson is with us already. So, Dana, let's get this thyroid nation thriving. Dr. Let's Robinson, are you with us? I am with you. Hello, Dana, Tiffany. Hi. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning to both of you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks Thank for being you, with Art, us but, this morning. But it's not it's not morning where you are. Where are you, Dr. Robinson? I'm in Arizona, so it is it's high noon uh, in Arizona. High noon. That's right. That's right. Same well, time us, here in Joshua us. Tree. Okay, oh, great. That's right. That's right. It's in Joshua Tree. And Danny, you're an hour ahead of us, right? I am, <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, but I'm way far away. 
I'm way far You're away. Way far away. It, it, we're, we're all here together. Be, that's the point, right? Yes, <laughs> right. Very true. No matter what. <laughs> tell us a little bit about you. We we want to know a little bit about you, Dr. Robinson. I know because I've been reading about you, but I want everybody else to know. Well, wonderful, and, and and again, thank you so much for uh, for having me and welcoming me here. This is a, a great opportunity. I, you know, I have been doing. Uh, I've been a naturopathic physician now since 2006, and I've I've had this wonderful opportunity uh, to be able to serve really thousands of patients now uh, along this amount of time um, with their hormone balance and particularly their thyroid. Um, when I first started in 2006. Um, I didn't come out of medical school thinking I was going to become a thyroid expert. Um, I always say uh, I didn't go to thyroid. Thyroid came to me uh, in droves and droves of uh, largely menopausal women who I was treating mostly at the time and still do. Um, and you see so much more thyroid disease in uh, you know women, eight to ten times more common in women than men. You see it more with um, uh, menopausal women, women over 50. So for me it was... It was this opportunity to start digging into that because I really didn't know that much about it. I learned the basics in medical school, of course, but I didn't really understand why they were coming in to see me uh, with um, all the signs and symptoms of low thyroid, but their thyroid labs were normal. So that, you know, that's how I was taught, and I thought it all looked okay to me. But what I did differently was I just sort of dared to ask why. I dared to sort of look into it for the sake of the patient sitting across my desk and asking me for service. And so and I was um, proud to do that. And that just led me on this journey of, of really digging into a lot of the medical literature and discovering that a lot of the way it's been done for really since the 1980s largely, um, it's just been done poorly. Uh, and I wanted to come up with a better answer. So that's brought me here uh, ultimately at this point. And then well, very what, cool. I, what I did at that point too, then I decided to write a book and that's the hormone zone. Um, and that's a, I'll, I'll get some books out to both of you, but it, it's a 500 page tome really of, of a lot of different things. I, uh, once I started writing, I, I couldn't shut my mouth and I just kept writing and I realized that, I thought I was just going to talk about maybe thyroid, but when you're talking about the thyroid gland you and, and how that affects somebody, there's all these other things to consider, particularly obviously with sex hormones, adrenal, hopefully we can get into some of those things today, um, and nutritional, mental, emotional, even spiritual things and those considerations. But that's really the backdrop um, that the philosophical underpinning as a naturopathic physician. We step back generally and want to really look at the whole person. So if somebody asks me, help me with my thyroid, then I'm going to consider a lot of things, really all the things that I can consider to help with them and their thyroid and their overall health. So that then led to sort of codify all of the information um, specific to thyroid, and then I developed Thyrozone, um, which is a real you know, distinct way, my unique distinct way of going about um, thyroid hormone treatment, which really, honestly, I, I, you know, I, I say in my book, I, I stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, um, I didn't invent a lot of this stuff. What I, what I think I'm rather pretty good at is bringing things together in a, in a, in a system uh, that makes sense to the patient. 
Uh, but ultimately, there are so many. You mentioned uh, several of them. Uh, Ken Holtorf uh, at the top of the list in my mind. Uh, Dr. John T. Lowe um, also, uh, unfortunately, has passed on. But these are revolutionaries um, with uh, thyroid hormone uh, treatment and, and understanding. So that all brought me ultimately just bring it all together in something that patients can really understand. Do you have a personal experience with thyroid issues? Well, um, personally, um, I have um, I have some family members that have issues. Um, okay. Family members that not only had thyroid issues, but then had difficulty in um, conceiving. And working with them directly um, was something a big part of them being able to uh, to conceive. So um, that was very personal for me. And obviously just anything with my patients in general is very personal. But certainly with my family uh, and seeing how it definitely can affect and how relatively simple uh, some of it can be. Um, I think in general we, we make thyroid a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Uh, and uh, it was, But a lot of times it's because the patient is confused by the conventional medical model, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, they're very confused, so it seems more complicated than it is. But I was in this unique position to be able to sort of, with, with these family members, be able to beeline straight into what the issue was and help them right away. And uh, that's, it's really profound, especially when you're dealing with, uh, with babies. <laughs> oh, definitely. And, but, you know, I have to say, don't you guys find that it, it's, so, it's so interesting? You can't really talk to anybody that doesn't have a relation or personal experience with someone that has thyroid issues. I really, I can't go anywhere. I was doing, I was doing yoga a, a couple weeks ago, and I meet these people, and they're they're from you know the states, and they're just traveling, and and they ask me what I do and how come I live here and all that stuff. So of course, I say it's thyroid nation. The girl's like, oh well, I just had a thyroidectomy. You know, but I, I, <laughs> you can't. You can't really go anywhere or talk to anybody if it's not directly affected you, like doc, like you said, Dr. Um, Robinson. It's your your wife or your best friend or your mom or your cousin or your sister. I mean, everybody somehow is directly related. It's kind of yeah. scary. And that really shows us um, that there is such a need, and there's a need for both of you and, and the wonderful work you're doing with Thyroid Nation and the other advocates that are out there um, it is so amazingly important to get this message out um, because it's affecting so many people's lives, and particularly women's lives. Um, I see it more and more in men than I think I ever did in, in, in nearly 10 years of practicing, but it's certainly far more with women. And uh, it's an epidemic, and it uh, it deserves the attention that it's, I believe, starting to get. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm happy, I'm proud to, you know, hold a banner uh, for this and just serve because people really need it and they deserve it. They deserve straight answers about it. And uh, that's my goal. That's the, that was the goal of my book. Um, and uh, that's the goal of everything I do every day with, with these people, with these patients. I mean, we need one of those buttons, Dr. Robinson, the, you know, the applause buttons right now. You know, you push the button and everybody claps. <laughs> Yay! Right? We need that. We need that in the button. No, those two are really, <laughs> we're missing those. Yes, we do. <laughs> we're, we're missing those on the show. We'll work on that. Okay. Well, so just talking to you right now, I wanna... pause it up, so, but thank you. Uh, 
One question I really want to ask you that a lot of people don't understand, especially a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in the thyroid community, is what sets a naturopath apart, um, you know, say from a chiropractor or I think people get very confused at the depth of, of, of a naturopath and how close it is to an MD. It just takes a different route. So can yes. you tell people a little bit about that difference? I would really appreciate that um, if you would do that. Sure, and let, let me let me start up by saying that there, there is there's let, let, I'll talk about two different avenues. One, I'll talk about that there's a difference in the philosophical perspective of how the patient is viewed, and how really ultimately nature and the world is viewed, um, even to the point of how the science itself or science itself is viewed. And in naturopathic medicine, we are looking at things holistically. We are looking at things, we are looking at disease not as an entity, but disease as a process. And that's the big difference between naturopathic philosophical underpinnings and the conventional allopathic model. In conventional allopathic uh, medicine, disease is a thing, it's an entity, it's something to be directly attacked, it's something to be cut out. Um, and it is definitely seen as an isolated entity. And so in naturopathic medicine, the philosophy is completely opposite. It, it's looking at any disease process, like let's say the thyroid uh, being low, um, it's, it's viewed as something that is part of a whole and that it has a process that started um, with the first step and ultimately led to um, perhaps uh, a larger disease process and then perhaps maybe even to the point of cancer or whatever, but we see it on a continuum. And that's the big difference philosophically. Now, when you start entering, and you, you mentioned the chiropractors, chiropractors, I think, have that viewpoint um, largely. They, they tend to be very similar in their viewpoint of, of viewing the body holistically. They tend to use it through the lens of uh, the nervous system where um, naturopathic doctors tend to look at it even more globally than that, um, but even naturopaths do focus on uh, manipulative techniques that are very similar to a chiropractor. But anyway, the the philosophies of this are very similar. But so that so that's one uh, distinction between naturopaths and the regular medical route, uh, and maybe even the similarities between a chiropractor and uh, a naturopath. But the other differences, and you had, you had uh, mentioned this, or the other similarities that a lot of times people don't understand, is that I am a board-certified naturopathic medical doctor in the great state of Arizona. And I ha went through four years of uh, very vigorous training. Um, and uh, the hours uh, of training are very similar uh, in terms of the overall hours that you would get in regular conventional medical school, uh, osteopathic medical school. Um, looking at the basic sciences, it's all essentially the same. Um, once it starts to differentiate is in the natural therapeutics that uh, naturopathic physicians have to learn, and it's a lot. They are, <laughs> they are spoon-feeding you a lot of information in four years to understand I have to know what a regular doctor has to know, plus I have to know what I have to know as a naturopath, as a distinct medical profession uh, as, as far as naturopathy. So it's a lot of information in four years. Um, it's almost like getting your specialty plus your regular medical training all in four years. Um, so it, it is a lot. It's very comparable. 
20 states out of, the, uh, out of our union uh, do have licensing laws, uh, and every state and, and region might have some differences in what those laws are, um, but uh, the profession is, is growing by leaps and bounds. And so that's and some of the differences fabulous. Uh, and some <laughs> of the similarities. You, <laughs> you can also attend to patients in the hospital, correct, and you can prescribe uh, pharmaceuticals as well, correct? In when, the state of Arizona, um, I do have um, prescription rights. Um, I can perform minor surgery uh, as well. Um, there are no direct, wow. yeah. There's no direct hospital privileges uh, in in the state of Arizona for naturopaths. Um, although there are some that do. Uh, Dr. Decker Weiss uh, is one of them. He has had uh, very uh, extensive training as uh, as a cardiologist and a naturopath, and has helped uh, with surgery and has. Some, uh, I think he has very unique admitting rights, uh, but that is more the exception than the rule. But again, um, prescriptive rights are, are are wide as well as uh, minor surgery. And I think that's so important for people to know. Um, you know, when you're treating your patients, that you have the ability to encompass the bridge between uh, natural and and Western therapies. Absolutely, well I think said, that's and that's so yes. important. It, it, it's and vital. a lot of people, believe it or not, don't understand that. It's it's fascinating to me how many people do not understand the difference between, you know, a chiropractor, a naturopath, an MD, and different people that are providing treatment for them, you know, sometimes can alter their approach on what is best. And so I think it's, you know, for me, I think personally it's extremely important for people to understand that, you know, for naturopaths, I personally love naturopaths because they have that ability to incorporate, you know, incorporate both sides. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. It's um, it, it again. I think it's really vital um, because there are times where um, people just flat out need surgery, and there are many times, in my opinion, that they don't. Um, so being able to see both sides of it, um, right. uh, sometimes people need really direct interventions. In, in naturopathic medicine, um, we call it the therapeutic order. And the therapeutic order starts off with um, the least invasive strategy, moving in ultimately to the most invasive that could be drugs and surgery. So you would go down the line in your mind um, about how you're approaching a patient and their medical need at the time. Um, Unfortunately, um, in, in the conventional medical model, they're skipping over a lot of the real basic. Right, <laughs> they're missing a huge portion. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, if you if if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and so in, in other words, if you only have a certain tool, you're only going to look at the world in a certain way. So there's a big distinction too in naturopathic medicine that we have many many tools. Um, at our disposal, so we tend to look at the disease process um, in, in a really eclectic way, and ultimately patients benefit uh, from that, I think, in, in, a, in a larger way. Well, thank you so very much for, for clearing that up and just, you know, um, like I said, I think it's very important for people to understand the distinction between the, the people who are treating them, and I, it, it just blows my mind how many people do not understand the limitations of, of, you know, certain practitioners and ones that can provide a lot more. So I'm a big yeah. fan of uh, naturopathic medicine. So we really want to get into the nitty-gritty, though, because we want to just pick your brain here. So right. tell us what sets you 
and thyrosone apart from standard medical treatment, diagnostic and, and treatment. Tell us more about thyrosone. Sure. You know, and I, I really boil it down to this. Um, there are two key problems with thyroid hormone treatment. Number one, most people are on the wrong type of thyroid hormone. They're normally on uh, levothyroxine, uh, the generic of Synthroid, or, you know, T4. Maybe many of your listeners understand that. I know you guys do. And that's a monotherapy, meaning it's normally they're only just on that singular inactive thyroid hormone. So they're normally on the wrong type. That's number one. They may get the right type. The right type, in my opinion, uh, generally tends to be natural desiccated thyroid, such as Armour, Nature Thyroid, Weston, I mean, excuse me, uh, WP thyroid. That's the right type, meaning that's something that contains activated T3 in it. So if even if the patient gets that right type, they have to get past number two. Number two is the second big problem with thyroid hormone treatment is people are, on enough, are not on enough of it. So even if they get something like nature thyroid, they might be kept on a very small dose that is not capable of enhancing the metabolic rate and relieving them of their signs and symptoms. That's the key. How are they feeling? How's their body tissues responding? So you have to make sure you're going through a, a systematic way of increasing that dose to where the patient has relief from suffering. And so that's the big difference. One, I give thyroid hormone in a natural way, but I give enough of it. In other words, there's a lot of naturopaths who will give naturethroid and armor. Um, it's something that we were taught in school. But the dose tends to be kept at a smaller amount in order to keep the TSH normal or the thyroid-stimulating hormone value normal. And that, unfortunately, does not create a dose large enough to make the patient feel better. And um, they're stuck, and they're not understanding. They're like, wait, I, you know, I got, the, I got the good stuff. I got the natural stuff, but wh why isn't it working? And then they tend to throw the baby out of the bathwater, maybe revert back to their uh, conventional approach, and they're, you know, they're just stuck. So the difference with my approach is that I am increasing the dose to the point where they have relief. But I'm also doing it in a very distinct way. I'm using um, different tools um, to measure the metabolic rate. And one of the tools that I use um, is the Thyroflex. Uh, the Thyroflex is by Nitec, and um, it is a tool that measures the speed of the reflexes in your wrist. And all of your reflexes are associated with thyroid function. We've known this for over 100 years. If we um, strike a reflex and that reflex is slow, if it moves slowly, then the metabolism is slow. The thyroid then is slow. But if we hit the reflex and it goes really, really fast or too fast, then that's suggestive of maybe too much thyroid hormone or something called hyperthyroidism. So... That's one key thing that I'm using, uh, and that is a, a tool that's been, been, again, as far as uh, reflexes are concerned, it's been known for, for a long, long time. As far as this distinct uh, tool, it's a, it's a, the computer is telling me to the millisecond how fast that is moving, and that's been around since about 2007, um, co-invented uh, actually by a naturopath and, a, and another really brilliant scientist. Um, and that's one particular tool. So many might, naturopaths are using that. Do you mind if I jump again? in and, and ask you? Do you mind if I jump in and ask you really quick before you move on to number two? Um, sure. I've seen a video of the, of the Thyroflex. I've seen a couple of videos 
of, yeah. of the difference, and it's it's fascinating. But there's not really any good video unless unless you know of any. Would you would you mind um, asking a patient and doing that for thyroid nation and and videoing uh, someone when you're doing the thyroflex, you know, in the next three, four, five, six, seven months, and 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 sending it our way because I think it would be very interesting people to see. Absolutely, I will. Uh, one, I will. I can do that for you personally um, uh, here at the office, but I can also um, perhaps see uh, Dr. Daryl Turner. Um, the, the co-inventor of the machine, he might ha- actually have something to be able to put on there. He'd be another great person for you guys to interview as well. Um, okay, he's actually good. he recently got back uh, from uh, Dubai, treating the royal family utilizing this particular machine. Um, wow. So it's uh, really really cool stuff, and he's a, he's a fun guy to talk to. So yeah, for sure, and, and thank you for the opportunity for that. One of the other machines. Yeah, that'd that be I really used, cool. Yeah, great. One of the other machines that I use is um, indirect telemetry, a particular machine called the Review um, by Core. And the Review machine is um, utilizing um, indirect telemetry, which is a fancy way of saying it's measuring the oxygen exchange um, in your body. Basically, all you do is breathe through a, a a mask that's connected to a tube, and the tube is connected to the machine, and it measures that uh, oxygen exchange. And because we know um, how oxygen is burned in the body, and that's related to metabolic rate and how many calories are being specifically burned, we can then come up with a very, very accurate, in fact, it is the most accurate um, metabolic rate test available, especially when it's done in a medical setting. Um, I've seen it uh, performed in uh, gyms and things like that. They tend not to do it as medically accurate as we're doing it here. Um, But nonetheless, it does provide a very, very accurate um, measurement of metabolism. So if the metabolism is low, then the thyroid is low because the thyroid is the metabolic sovereign. So we utilize that test also not only to diagnose, but what's also very distinct with the thyroid zone system is how you're monitoring what's going on. So if I'm giving the kind of thyroid hormone doses that I provide for patients, it inevitably makes the TSH value go low, which makes the conventional medical doctor think that the patient is on too much thyroid medication. It's Mm -hmm. called TSH suppression. And so with that suppression, then we've got doctors, you know, losing their minds about it. They think uh, there's going to be all these problems because all they're doing is looking at the TSH, and then they're scaring the patient, and the patient's calling me. So... One of the things that I'm, and I get those calls occasionally, um, and, and rightfully so, patients are concerned, but then it's just that matter of constantly re-educating and saying, no, your metabolism is not overstimulated. Right. They look at the TSH when it's low like that and say, you're hyperthyroid. That's actually um, semantically incorrect. Your only hyperthyroid is if, if the thyroid is overacting, increasing the amount of available thyroid hormone in your body, and even more particularly, you actually have overstimulation. It's called thyrotoxicosis. The only way you're on too much thyroid hormone is if you're on too much thyroid hormone. That means are your tissues overstimulated? And the TSH value just doesn't tell me that per se. It may suggest towards it, but it is not indicative of whether or not this patient is overstimulated. But the Thyroflex and this uh, review machine that I'm referring to, these can really start to very accurately measure, yeah, the tissues are maybe starting to get overstimulated, or no, the tissues are very you know, accurate where they should be, they're uh, compensated correctly, um, or they 
might also indicate that they need more. In fact, most of the time, when the TSH is suppressed, where the blood work looks like there may be, quote, on too much thyroid, um, they're often their Thyroflex or their re- review resting metabolic rate test is actually showing they need more thyroid hormone, wow. not less. Wow. So that's the big distinction uh, with my system, that I'm using these, these uh, machines in a very specific way and uh, allowing the patient to experience the freedom of a dose that's optimal for their body. That's the key. And I think as a, as a general rule, Dr. Robinson, most people on uh, natural desiccated thyroid do feel better uh, almost completely suppressed. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. And, yeah, that's a great point. In fact, yeah, I would say, oh, gosh, maybe 98 99% of my patients um, experience that. It isn't until their TSH becomes suppressed that they actually feel better. And that yeah. tends to happen right when you get about two grains um, or about 120 milligrams and above. The average dose is two to four grains. Um, I've seen this countless times. I talk about this in my book, too, where there's some medical sightings in the literature of, of the historical record of showing that it's right around two to four grains. It's been um, shown over and over again, and I've seen this countless times. But once you get a, a right around two grains and above, the TSH is going to get suppressed. It just does, o- almost invariably. Right. Um, so, but that's where patients start to feel better. In fact, the most average dose uh, is three grains. It's the average, you know, two to four being the average. Three is just the average of the average, and definitely that patient is going to have a suppressed TSH, and uh, but they will be feeling better, and their body will reflect it. I'm on three grains. Tiff, ah. you're on two, right? Two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are, both do take. Uh, I think uh, Dana takes Nature Throid and I take Armor. So one of my questions is I I do believe uh, in some of my readings of yours, Dr. Robinson, that you prefer Nature Throid. Is there any, you know, uh, screaming reason or just something that you've seen perform better in your patients or uh, yeah, uh, any, any yeah, thoughts there, on there, that? There is a, there is a reason. Um, armor, um, armor and Nature Throid, which actually Nature Throid used to be called West Throid, Dr. John West, um, he created uh, Westthroid uh, back in the 1930s. Uh, Armor's been around in one form or another since about the 1920s. And um, he created it in the 1930s because he wanted a formulary that was cleaner, that was more hypoallergenic. And in fact, Nature Throid does not have cornstarch. Um, it doesn't have something in it called Opa Dry White, which is a uh, preservative, and additive so there's different fillers, additives, and preservatives that are found in uh, armor that are not found in Nature Throid. So it's a cleaner product. Now, take that one step further. They now have uh, uh, RLC Labs that makes Nature Throid now has a new uh, version called WP. This is even cleaner than even Nature Throid. So they've, they've managed to get it down to like two extra ingredients beyond just the thyroid hormone. Uh, and so that's uh, pretty profound in terms of its cleanliness. Um, so a lot of patients will benefit from something that's a little bit cleaner because they're going to get a better absorbability. Um, so that those would be some of the reasons. With that said, I have many patients that have been on Armor, and as long as they're on the right dose for them, they're going to do just fine. 
Um, but I have had some people that um, if they have uh, cornstarch allergies, things like that, you know, problems with corn, some people are just very sensitive from a gut standpoint, and maybe they just need something a little bit cleaner. So generally speaking, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit easier to go with nature for it because I don't have to worry about all those extra additives and preservatives. And it probably would be a ton better for people that have malabsorption issues, I would think. That would be, you know, you're yes. just dealing, and, and, you know, giving the body one I, less uh, thing to deal with, <laughs> you know. Right. I, I agree. And, and, and that's, that's a ubiqu- ubiquitous problem also. I mean, so many people have gut absorbability issues. Um, often that may even be the reason why they have a thyroid issue in the first place. Sometimes it can be chicken or egg, uh, uh, meaning thyroid can lead to gut issues. Gut issues can lead to thyroid. Uh, either oh, right, way, right, right. both of those needs need to be addressed many times, and people will have poor absorbability issues. Um, I have many patients who have uh, had lap band procedures, and they don't have good uh, uh, stomach absorption anyway as a result of that surgical procedure. But how I combat that for patients and help them with that is that all patients really should chew uh, natural desiccated thyroid and really suck on it about five to ten minutes. They'll then get absorption through the mouth and under the tongue, and that then obviously bypasses the need for stomach absorption, at least largely does. Um, And then if they do that for a good hour away from food, coffee, supplements, medications, then they're going to improve their absorbability. Uh, And that's a great thing. You can do that with natural desiccated thyroid. You can't do that with Synthroid and these other capsules. No. I wonder why. Yeah, no. yeah wouldn't have, it's nasty enough on a, on Ooh. on natural desiccated thyroid. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, I wonder why they don't make a sublingual uh, desiccated thyroid medication. You know, one that you actually would do, just like you know a B12. Or I, I wonder what you know. There's we have so many questions about things like that that we would we need a pharmaceutical manufacturer on (laughs) Dan. We can pick their brain and ask them how come they don't make, you know. uh, Yeah, it's always about, you know, coming up with something different. And I'll tell you, I haven't, I don't have that much experience with the WP yet um, because it is still very new. And uh, we've had such great success with uh, Natrothroid. We haven't really changed over too much with that. But I have had some patients using it. And it because it doesn't have a lot of those other additives and preserves in it, it really dissolves very rapidly uh, in the mouth. You just have to work it a little bit, and it will dissolve. Uh, I do not, it. Yeah. You just have to be willing to kind of do that. So it, it's pretty close to already being a sublingual approach. Yeah. Hmm. I used to do it a lot more. Now I'm I'm more impatient because I have to take three grains. So. So I don't do it as often, but I try to. You just, you know, it, it's not that bad. It doesn't really, I mean, it's, it's just kind of a, a pain. The mess, you know, you got to move it around a little bit and work yeah. it, like you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you just even I think I, chewed it a few times and then swallowed it, that would be better than nothing. That would be better than just swallowing it whole. Just a few chews. Chew it, yeah, I, I've tried that a couple times. I'm just, I'm just a wuss. It's just pure and clear. And <laughs> I just can't do it. it. It's just I'm sure it would be fun to watch me do it, though. You know, it'd be just, yeah. Maybe we can get a video of that. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go, Dana. There's my periscope, me chewing. Right there. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay, so aside from, uh, we could giggle all day. Dana and I could giggle oh, watch all out. day. And there yeah. are many days, uh, Dr. Robinson, that we actually do just giggle all day. So. 
We're trying to, we're trying to bring <laughs> out the intelligent, serious side of both of us here. We try. We so try. aside from <laughs> from thyroid hormone, we know that you deal a lot with bioidentical hormones. What yes. other hormones do you find significantly altered in thyroid patients? And, you know, if you find that just, you know, everything is cattywampus, do you normally start with the thyroid and see if things will sort of mm-hmm. fall in place? Or is it something that you approach together? Uh, tell us a little bit about your um, your presentation and treatment with approach. that. Yeah. Okay. Approach, thank you. Much better. Yeah, I um, depending on the patient, it, it, it may depend on where I start, but generally speaking, I will start uh, collectively, uh, meaning I'm doing more than one thing. Um, sometimes when a patient presents with uh, adrenal issues, and that's one key thing to look at, uh, there's often um, the adrenals are in some form of dysfunction as a result of uh, thyroid disease, meaning as a result of being either they were underdiagnosed for a long time. Um, I know, Dana, part of your story was that you felt that you were probably un or underdiagnosed for many years regarding thyroid. Right. Um, and I right. think that is extremely common with people, that they've gone years and years. And when they do, that affects the adrenals over time. So by the time people are actually seeing me, sometimes their adrenals are so um, dysfunctional um, and so they're so depleted that I have to start with the adrenals before I give thyroid hormone. Um, thyroid hormone can, for some people who are really adrenal deficient, um, can actually make their situation worse. Um, so you have to strengthen the adrenals a little bit before you start giving uh, the stimulation that you receive from thyroid hormone. So That's in those what happened cases, to me. Right, and again, many people have that scenario. But really, frankly, the, the, the large majority, I'm going to approach it by looking at the triad. And the triad is sex hormones, um, and I'm referring to estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, uh, meaning gender kind of hormones. Then there is your thyroid, and of course adre- addressing that directly, and then the adrenal gland. And we, and that's called the triad. Each of those systems work off of one another. Thyroid is strengthening the adrenals and vice versa. Everything is working together in those those three. Now, what's maybe really in the center of that is insulin and blood sugar control. Um, and so that's another sort of endocrine hormone system dealing with insulin. So those are the four that I'm going to address with a patient in a, in a big way. And, again, to answer your question, it's, it tends to be more of a collective uh, approach particularly when it comes to sex hormones. Many of my patients are coming in, they're either perimenopausal or they are already in menopause. And if they are menopausal, balancing the sex hormones is profound uh, in terms of helping them, particularly in, in the way in which I do it. Um, patients really will, will get leaps and bounds ahead in terms of their metabolism and how they're going to feel and therefore helping with their thyroid. But if I have the opportunity to do both thyroid treatment and their sex hormones at the same time, it, that's that much better. So, again, it depends on the diagnosis. A uh, patient comes in, they're, uh, they're getting a very uh, broad array of diagnoses regarding their hormones, and then uh, I'll approach it uniquely to, to their situation. Um, so it is important to look at all of it. Thyroid, and here's the thing about thyroid. The thyroid hormone affects every single cell in your body, head to toe, inside and out. So pick a symptom, pick a problem, pick a tissue. It's related to thyroid hormone in many ways. That includes the ovaries. 
So many times women come in and have, especially uh, premenopausal, perimenopausal women, um, they're having issues with heavy periods, scanty periods. Um, that's from their thyroid very often. So if we just correct the thyroid, a lot of the, the sex hormone imbalances that they are presenting with get corrected because the thyroid hormone is affecting the ovaries. But with that said, too, um, the, the ovaries also are secreting hormone that directly affects the thyroid gland. So we can try to separate it out, but it's all, you know, again, that naturopathic philosophical approach, it's all intertwined. So for me and, and the thyroid zone approach and what I'm doing here with my practice, the hormone zone, it is really looking at everything comprehensively, and, and I think that uh, people, their bodies appreciate that approach. All right, now one more step deeper question, if you don't mind, sure. regarding the hormones, because I know that you talk a little bit about uh, DHEA, cortisol, aldosterone, and oxytocin. When we deal, when you see problems within those hormones, how do you address those? Is it the same way that you would address, you know, because unfortunately in conventional medicine, those rarely get tested. You really have to fight like hell to get those tested yeah. properly. Yes. Um when it comes to, let's say, DHEA, um, probably the best way that I've seen so far is an oral route. Um, when it comes to sex hormones like estrogen, testosterone, I think one of the best uh, ways to deliver that type of hormone is through a subcutaneous pellet. So uh, one of the things that I've been doing uh, since 2006 is working with these subcutaneous hormone pellets. They're natural, bioidentical pellets that are placed underneath the skin uh, surgically in a very simple five-minute surgical procedure. And they then secrete hormone consistently and continuously over time. Um, and patients feel profound as a result of that because they're getting that consistent flow of hormone. So that's how I'm addressing that. When it comes to, I think you had mentioned uh, DHEA again, an oral form tends to be uh, the better way to go. When we're dealing with oxytocin, oxytocin can be given in two different ways. Um, an injection, which people really like that, and that can help with uh, pain and fibromyalgia as well. But it also, oxytocin can be given in, a, in an oral form, a kind of like, like a lozenge um, that mm -hmm. you would suck on and, and it would absorb quickly through the mouth. Um, so hopefully I, I think I went over and answered uh, to those uh, hormones you mentioned. Was there Did I miss something? No, no. And I, the other thing I was, are there any particular symptoms that, you know, for our listeners that you find where you're like, hmm, and that's definitely becomes part of your testing of those four particular ones? Or is that something that you take on as, as a full comprehensive view in thyrosone that just gets tested regardless? Or are there symptoms that have to be there that send you down that uh, particular avenue. Right, yeah. Some of them are tested um, DHEA-S. Uh, DHEA-S is the sulfated version of DHEA, and that, that's very uh, specific to the adrenal glands. So if I'm thinking adrenal, um, based on certain clinical tests and questionnaires that a patient has done, um, then I would maybe test that. But um, ultimately for, uh, let's see, you said oxytocin. If somebody comes in and they, I have corrected their testosterone, they have plenty of testosterone, their libido is, is established or reestablished, but they still have a sense of apathy and uh, 
sort of indifference maybe to their relationship or maybe just to things in general. That very often can be a sign of oxytocin deficiency and then further testing would be considered. With DHEA, uh, DHEA and DHEAF, so these are androgens very similar in function to testosterone. So memory, focus, libido, energy, um, anxiety, depression, mood swings, irritability, all of those can be signs and symptoms of uh, DHEA and maybe testosterone um, uh, deficiency. So then we would be looking and, and doing further uh, blood test analysis of that, too. Awesome. That's exactly what I was hoping that you would, uh, you know, point out to people because I think, you know, sometimes thyroid just gets lumped into one. This covers everything, but a lot, a lot of times it's this domino effect that's affected other particular ones that have to be addressed. Also, so that's that's awesome. That's exactly what I was hoping you were going to say. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We need, need to step back, especially with thyroid, because it's called the great pretender. It can be so many different things, um, which is what, one of the reasons why it's overlooked. But sometimes maybe we could go down that rabbit hole of overlooking and thinking too much about thyroid when we're saying, wait a second, uh, you're in menopause or you have these other issues going on. There's an adrenal situation. You know, I'll, I'll mention real quick about adrenals. I, I always say that I talk more about stress in my office than I do about hardly anything. And that's because stress is affecting people's lives in really profound ways. Um, there was a large study that, the, that they did uh, in uh, American uh, family practice, and it was like a survey. And they wanted to find out what's the main reason why people go to like their regular doctor. And it was really up to about 90% of the responses were simply stress. They weren't going for a lot of these sort of organic reasons. It was just it maybe created an organic problem, but it was the stress that was there in the first place. And that's really why they were walking in the door. So I'm not trying to just reduce thyroid issues or whatever, just simply some stress, um, but it is important to really focus on that and how the adrenal glands are then affected by stress and how the adrenal glands are having a very direct physical effect to the thyroid gland itself. So we have to make sure we're looking at the big picture all the time and understanding especially about stress. It is it is a big, big problem uh, in our go, go, go kind of uh, uh, mentality here uh, in our culture. So it's, a, it, it's having direct physical effects on our hormones and on our thyroid. And, and probably not just... Not just not just stress, but the the um, other factors like uh, environmental factors and stress stressors on our body, or just stress from being stressed out. Okay, that's a good distinction. Yeah, technically the word stressor means any mental, emotional, chemical uh, stress on 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 the body. And yeah, so environmental toxicity is right there at the top of the list of being a stressor uh, that we're having to constantly deal with. Um, so in naturopathic medicine, we're constantly talking about prevention. Um, and so avoiding those things in the first place, avoiding the stress when you can, learning how to cope with it, avoiding uh, environmental toxicity uh, by sometimes just choosing what kind of deodorant you're using. Um, there can be those little things. So you're bringing down the overall stressors onto the body and inevitably your thyroid gland and the rest of your hormones. Right. So I was gonna, you actually led me into one of our other questions for you, which was tell us more about the PMES, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual aspect of what you see associated with thyroid disease, because I know you talk a lot about that 
um, as well. And that, that's beyond the stress as well. Um, it goes much deeper. So tell us how you actually address that with your patients and, and help them, you know, understand those applications. That's, yeah, that's I, a big deal because a, a, lot of, a lot of doctors don't do that, so that, that's a really big deal. That's a huge it, deal. You're right. It, it is a very large deal that that is is just unfortunately overlooked. And, and so I start off by educating patients by simply being willing to educate patients on that level. Uh, I'm willing to talk about uh, the mental, emotional, spiritual thing. I mean, most patients are going to come in, especially in the West, and we, we, we view things from a physical standpoint. You have your physical things over here and all your mental, emotional, maybe spiritual stuff that's all over there. And, again, as a naturopath, uh, uh, it's, it's, to me it's all connected. So when a patient's first sitting down, I'm just talking about those things. And inevitably, like I said, most patients are coming in and just talking about stress. I mean, as soon as they, you know, uh, say to a patient, are you stressed? No. Are you stressed? No. Are you sure you're stressed? <laughs> well, you know, other than the death, the divorce, and, the, you know, 20 kids, and, you know, my, I work 80 hours a week. But, no, that's normal. I mean, I, you know, I've always had those things. You know, so uh, that comes out naturally anyway. And then I use it as an opportunity to really start counseling them. Look, I don't fix patients. I do not help patients even. I serve patients. So when they come in to see me, I am working on that level of service. And, and, and the difference of those things is that I'm, um, I'm working on their level. Uh, helping implies that uh, maybe I know more than them or something, and I'm not really looking at it that way. Patients have taught me a tremendous amount over the years. Um, really, frankly, I don't think doctors learn anything until they start working with patients. Um, so I'm looking at it in a sense of service, and then they're starting to see, then they connect the dots then to this PMES. They start to see that. Some of the other things that, uh, another tool that I use um, is something called heart math. Um, heart math is, uh, heart math. are you familiar? No, no, I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly. Heart math, okay. Heart math, yeah. It's, it's utilizing um, certain tools to focus on coherence in the heart. Um, your heart actually secretes hormone, uh, and it also um, creates a magnetic field that can be affected by stress. And there, there's been a tremendous amount of research with this and, and, and a measurement of um, heart wave activity. And there are actual tools that can be used, uh, measurement tools that a patient can actually use at home to be able to measure these waves and um, utilize really basic um, counseling, um, meditative type of techniques to uh, deal with their stress as it happens at the moment. And so I'm, that's that sort of mind-body connection that I'm bringing in to my practice and for my patients and how that then can affect the thyroid. The thyroid is just a really sensitive organ, and it can be affected by mental, emotional stress. It's often uh, affected also uh, by the throat chakra. I'm speaking somewhat esoterically here, but it is related to a woman's ability to speak her truth. So many times women will come in and, and maybe be in a situation in their lives where they're not speaking their truth. There's almost a blockage there literally at the throat level. So for me, if I'm working with a thyroid, we're going to talk about those kind of things, if it applies, and many times it just does. So that PMES is always there. Um, because to me, 
to heal means to bring together, to make whole again, and that would mean any aspect about your thyroid. Um, sure, I'll be able to give natural thyroid hormone, and we give a nice dose, and I've got lots of nutritional ideas and all that stuff, um, and we do all of that. Um, but it has to be within that context of truly understanding why you're going through the process you're going through. The more you understand that, the more you get out of it. I think that's exactly what you guys are doing. That's what Thyroid Nation is about. And again, some of these other advocacy groups that are out there, they're, put, they're looking at the big picture as much as you can. And I think the more you strive to do that uh, from your standpoint and what I'm doing here, I think the patients just really benefit. Wow. Okay, this is what we call a sour field <laughs> moment, Dr. Robinson. Sour field moment. You're getting me wow. rambling. Wow. <laughs> no, wow. Women speaking their truth, Tiffany. That was, that. Oh, go ahead. Yes, what, tell me about this. What was flower what? what? I was reading that on the website. It's what a is flower that? field <laughs> moment. And, we, and Dana and I are both usually very silent because there's been either information that's presented that's, you know, not overwhelming, but something that really needs to be absorbed, and you really have nothing to say at that particular moment. It's it's more of a, it's more of actually feeling like a sponge and absorbing what the person has just said. It, we have them frequently. <laughs> a lot. Well, and, it, and it's also sometimes when something resonates with us. You know, really what you just said Absolutely. really resonated with me. So I was just sitting here like, you know, like the picture of someone, you know, meditating with my um, sitting in, I mean, sitting Indian style, actually, and so that, that's perfect, you know, that whole <laughs> with my hand. I mean, it was one of those moments. What you said was really a profound moment for me, so I just kind of wanted to sit and think. I didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So and I actually wrote down, I actually wrote down that quote that you said, to heal means to bring together. And yeah. I think most people, they just don't, they want to just take the pill and keep going at the rate that they're going, and it just can't go like that. It doesn't, it's, a, it's an inevitable fail in the long run. You're, you're right. I, I'll, I'll take it another uh, step. I, I define medicine this way. Medicine is anything that helps you to understand more about yourself. If it doesn't help mm. you to understand, more about yourself, then I just don't think it's medicine. And so what you were getting at, that a lot of times people just want to take the pill and forget about it. That can even be with a natural pill. That can be with an herb. So right. they just the, the patient may say, well, I don't want to take that prescription medication, but can you just give me an herb that does kind of the same thing? And then they just take the herb and then ignore what else is going on or ignore the message of that disease process. Right. Um and I'm sure so, you see yeah. a lot as a physician, you know, where people come in and they say, just just fix me. You know, I right. imagine in your head you're going, I can't fix you. I can't heal you. I give you the tools to heal yourself. I can give you tools. You know, I always tell people we right. are our own healers. We, yeah. we can't heal ourselves. No one else is going to be able to do it for us. It's just in, impossible. It can't be done. That's <laughs> just my opinion. You have to have a... Of working with people uh and you have to you have to keep yourself humble through that process um because yeah i i don't do anything i i inspire someone to sometimes look a little bit left or look a little bit right they're going down that road anyway um but sometimes maybe get a little bit off the path but i'll just maybe just 
move their chin a little bit to the left and they go, oh, and then they know right where to go. And that can be while I'm maybe holding this frequency and th- these these perspectives about thyroid or uh, your estrogen or your menopause or a guy's low testosterone or whatever it is, um, those things can really help to elicit change. And by the way, the word hormone means to change. That's what it, that comes from the Greek word to change. So that's what people are looking for. That's what they want. Mm. They want to change how they feel. Wow, say that again. Say that again. Yeah, say that again. I, I, Please say that again about the word hormone. The hormone actually comes from the Greek word meaning to change. And patients, that's what they're looking for. They want to change something. They want that aha moment. Sometimes they don't there realize that's a, what they want. No, I mean, there's such a huge sort of emotional, that. absolutely huge emotional aspect to thyroid disorders you know, that people don't want to address, you know, it's just, oh, I'm in a flower field, so. Well, and <laughs> Tiffany, Tiffany, you said you, you had a, um, I, I know, you know, because we're friends, but that you you felt that you weren't able to, to speak your truth, your voice, and and that was, you know, a big deal for you, right? A huge deal. I'm a people pleaser. You know, I I go out of my way almost to 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 my own death, literally, to to please other people, to make sure that everybody else is happy. So, I, an enormous component of of healing myself and my thyroid disease has been the ability to say no, I cannot do that, or and it's very difficult, but it's it's enormously empowering and and invigorating and I I don't know, I I can't really even put it into words because it's still something that I'm working quite a bit on. Um, But I I do, I I see my own, and I can only speak for myself, but I see my own thyroid disorder as a very emotional, uh, spiritual um, disorder. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, I feel like I'm in therapy. <laughs> that's, that's really profound. Thank you for sharing that. And and you're so right. And and, I, and you're so right because so many other women and men are are saying the same thing uh, as what you're saying. They're experiencing that same thing. And you're really doing this an amazing job of getting that message out to let other people know that they have a voice. Um, you know, you you had mentioned something. That it's the irony of the caregiver. I call it. So, again, a lot of my, my demographic tends to be women, 40 to 70. It's largely who I'm seeing. And women are just really good at being caregivers. But they're so good at it that they forget to caregive themselves and take care of themselves. But the irony of that is that if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're actually not being that great caregiver that you're wanting to be. It's true. You're, if One you're of my not favorite... taking care of you and your own issues – and whatever those issues may be, then you're not being there for those people that you're supposed to be supposedly sacrificing for. Yeah. So, so um, one of my favorite things, examples, is the airplane. You know, every time, and of course it's a family joke with us, but every time um, my husband and my children and I we fly, you know, they they tell the parents you need to put your mask on first not put your children's right. mask on first. And I cry every time they say it. <laughs> my husband's like, oh, you sound my, like my God, wife for there sure. she goes again. And, yeah. and so now as my kids are getting older, the whole family looks at me. They're like waiting for it to happen. I'm like, you have no idea how profound that particular action is. Yes. It's huge 
for for yeah. a mom especially I think yeah. you know you just it's um but yeah you, exactly what you said you you think you're doing the best for everybody but I actually did much better by my four children when I started to care for myself because I was also teaching my children how to self care by what I was doing nobody listens to what huh. we say to do as a parent they yes. they no, they look right. and see what we actually do as a parent mm-hmm. so for me as my kids you know we're growing and getting older. For me, that was an enormous incentive uh, to really take care of myself because then that would be the way that, you know, most likely their example of how they would care for themselves in the future. That is the best way to do it. You're so right, Dr. Mm-hmm. Robinson. This is actually like a, this is not only educational, this is therapeutic today. <laughs> it is. It's fabulous. I'm like, I'm breathing. I'm relaxed. <laughs> I'm just. This is like fabulous, Doctor. You Robinson. even sound you know, better. Be- <laughs> yeah, I'm I do, serious. I? You um, even sound better. I do. I do. I have a cold, so I I do. I sound better. Um, no, but there is such a big mind body connection, and you know, you don't. I mean, everybody says that, and everybody knows it, but like, you don't really, like, a lot of people don't really apply it, or they don't believe that it's true. They know that there's a connection, or they say, yeah, mindy body connection, yeah, 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 okay, but then they don't really. Connected. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm, I, it's just that I, I do. I know what you're saying for sure, and I, I think in a large part, uh, well, it's maybe a little bit. It, it's fear um, because when you're going through those kind of processes, it's it's the mirror, and the mirror for people when you're putting a mirror up in front of your face, it can be really a frightening process. But also, our culture doesn't lend itself to the understanding right. or the appreciation of mm. these things uh, in general. I think it's changing. I believe that it's changing. I'm hopeful that it's changing um, because they see it. But nonetheless, we're in this culture of give it to me now, um, instantaneous gratification. We're in a uh, materialistic kind of uh, perspective uh, also. Not that there's anything wrong with proliferating. Right. That's the thing. And so it makes it harder for us to believe that these other things are, are these energetic things are actually um, uh, important and that have anything to do with helping with a disease process when you can turn on the TV and watch a uh, commercial uh, about a pill that's just going to take it all away and make the butterflies flap their wings and everything's going to be great. <laughs> and that is, that's really hard to, uh, to change that perspective. People have to consciously change their perspective of that. And I'll tell you this, one-third one-third of all medicine is placebo. That is not woo-woo. That is a scientific fact. In fact, it's an uncomfortable scientific fact because science hates that, that when they're dealing with a a prescription medication, a drug, and they have to accept. It used to be about 10%, and they went, nah, it's not really 10%, it's not 20%. They kept kind of going up. And right now, the current scientific thought is that placebo is about 33% of everything that a doctor will do for you 33% 33% is something that's happening in your own mind and your own perspective and your own mm. belief about what's going on. I think I think Dr. Alan Christensen, do you remember Tiffany? I think he talked about the same thing. That's right. right. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, right. And you yeah, know, I have to tell you I have to tell you, you know, just an observation and and because we're kind of in this, you know, flower-filled moment talk you know, it's crazy because living on the outside, living in Costa Rica and looking at the states now, you know, you were talking mm-hmm. about that, you know, that's just the culture and things, and, and, you know, it is changing. I can see it. I can see it changing because I'm on the outside looking in now. It's been 
since 2008, so we've been here seven years. So, so I can see it differently, and I can see it changing, and it's it's a good thing. But you know, what's so fascinating at the same time to me is you can be sitting in front of your TV, and you can be watching that commercial for whatever the drug is that you know take and and everything will be better. And then in the background, as they're playing this happy music and people are running and dancing around the field, they have this 15-minute spiel about cause, you know, diarrhea and eating. Yeah, right. But that's that's I the mean, thing that we're, we're so visual that they're 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 banking on that. That they're banking uh, on. I guess not sad. Yeah, you won't oh. really hear that. You'll just see what you're seeing, <laughs> and that's what the, the subconscious will largely uh, t- tune into. Uh, they're yeah. banking on that. I got to tell mean, you a funny quick story about. The... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to tell you a funny quick story about my daughter Joanna. When she was little, I want to say she was like five, and we were we were watching something on TV, and one of those commercials came on, and she kind of looked at me with that with that look on her face, like she said, "Mommy, did you just hear that?" And I said, yeah, honey, I said, that's a disclosure, you know, and here I'm going down the, you know, because we're homeschoolers, going down the legality uh, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like going, and she goes, well, who would take that? And she, I swear to you, she was like five, maybe six at the time. But, you know, where it was just, you would think that she would be too young to actually understand it. But she oh, just no. heard that clear message more than anything else. It was almost like it, it, it didn't affect her visually at all. She just heard what you know and I was like wow and that's out of the mouths of babes you mouths know? of babes babes right mouths of babes <laughs> that is that is excellent yeah yeah it's about free thinking and, and knowing how to think uh, uh not just necessarily what to think uh, perhaps that's something you experience with the homeschooling uh, it's, it's about teaching I think people children need to be taught how to think uh and maybe she already is starting to get that I, my kids are way smarter than I could ever hope to be, and uh, I do very much credit that <laughs> with uh, with homeschooling because I I wanted to be um, very certain that um, they were taught to think to think just yeah. you know as to simple think. as that you know you don't yeah. just agree with what you're told you really need to do your own homework explore right. both sides and, and alternate philosophies, and then you come to a conclusion because if you just follow someone else, you never bring out the extraordinary of you. You don't. Exactly. can't. That has and to be well a said. And thing, That's the healing process. And same, and same thing with medicine, exactly, you know. Um, it's funny, though, Tiff, because, you know, now I'm starting to feel like this is a whole, we need to do a whole other episode because, you know, my kids are like taught, taught, and they don't get to think because we live here in, in Central America, and it's a whole different ball game. So now I'm going to start crying, and we need to have another episode about homeschooling <laughs> versus thinking versus, <laughs> that's a whole other show, okay, Dr. Robinson? You know what, sure. I'm going to tell you something, Dana, you are teaching your kids to think because you removed them from so many, um, I can't, yes, I can't I even think of it, but... American thinking, you yes. did give them an yes. opportunity to view something from a different perspective. And I think that I that is, that's a huge lesson. When you talk about homeschooling, if I had to homeschool in my own way, I would travel around the world with my children and allow them to see the fact that, you know, girls in certain Everybody areas of the world don't mm-hmm. live the way that they live. They don't just get to choose. They don't get to speak their mind. They don't get to, you know... 
and they that's an education in my opinion is is exposure just you know kind of like how Dr. Robinson was talking about a physician doesn't learn until they're actually hands on with a person mm-hmm. you can't teach intuition and humanity and compassion i don't give a flying frog's fat butt how much they try in medical school you cannot teach those three aspects of medicine and that's huge in healing that's just yes. that's just another one of my I'm speaking my mind today, you guys. I'm feeling speaking my thyroid. I'm speaking my truth. <laughs> you better watch oh out, God. Dr. Robinson. And I just want to know how much sleep you got last night because for those of you that don't know, he has a new baby girl at home. How old is she and what's her name? Her name is Alessandra and she Alessandra. is now um she'll be a month on Tuesday. Oh um, wow, is so this your first baby? This is our no. second. I have a 22-month-old uh, also. Awesome. So, wow. And I believe your oh, wife I'm... is a physician as well, right? She is. She's a naturopathic <gasps> uh, medical doctor just like me. We actually met in uh, medical school. Um, she did her residency uh, at Yale University, and uh, and we are now in practice together. Oh, that's very cool. Oh, that's Living so the cool. passion. I love yes. that. That's very cool. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, I, I didn't that. get a lot of Last night. <laughs> What's that? See, I knew it. I didn't get a lot I of sleep. I knew it. He did. <laughs> you guys and take Alexandra, shifts on right, baby? Yeah, to some degree. And then, you know, gosh, you know, and then we're still getting used to her little sounds and her noises, and they're very, very cute, <laughs> but they're also kind of alarming. Like, is she is she breathing? Is she, you know, all the things that you just tend to, you know, be concerned about. You know, she's fine, of course, but uh, it's, you know, you just. Always on uh, on alert, but uh, you know all about that. An extraordinary oh, experience. You. I love it. Yeah. That's right. Babies. I don't want to do it again, but it sure was neat when I did. <laughs> <laughs> I would just keep it sure doing it, but great. my body is just not on the program. It's like, I don't think so, sister. Not, yeah. not in this. <laughs> now. <laughs> Four's no. not enough, really? No, and, and, <laughs> no, and, my, and my, my daughter, you know, my husband will tease and say, you know, Mommy's, you know, body just can't do it, you know, because she'll say, you know, if he kisses me or something, you know, I don't want to be number, I don't want to be the middle child. <laughs> I don't want to be the middle child, and Travis will say, I don't, I don't think your mommy's body is on that, is on that, you know, course. So don't worry, honey. <laughs> right. So. You know, speaking of children and 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 something that was somewhat mentioned earlier, uh, that thyroid hormone used to be utilized in infertility clinics almost exclusively. So before they had actually figured serious? out a lot of more of these newer, quote, cutting-edge um, types of medications, um, superovulation, the different things that are done in vitro, if a woman was having difficulty getting pregnant, they just gave her thyroid hormone and had very, very excellent success uh, with that. Because infertility, wow. mis- and miscarriage, all these things very often are uh, related to uh, lack of thyroid hormone uh, in the body. And lack of iodine would be another really important key nutrient. Well, as long as you brought up iodine, so we can catch it before you go, because I know you yeah. do talk about iodine, selenium, uh, mm-hmm. and as far as uh, relationship identification of those and how imperative they are to each other uh, in relationship. Please tell us a little bit about those and your philosophy as far as ratios are concerned and how you treat that in your patients. Is it just with the thyroid hormone that contains the iodine, or do you supplement with additional? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I definitely supplement with additional um, iodine um, and uh, and selenium as well. 
Women on thyroid hormone, um, there's been some studies to suggest that they have an increased risk for breast cancer while on thyroid medication. Of course, most of those studies are done uh, on synthetic forms of thyroid hormone. Um, mm-hmm. But there is some sort of suggestion towards that. But one of the reasons is the best idea that we have about why maybe that's occurring is because women are not taking iodine at the same time as their thyroid hormone medication. So that's one reason um, why I'm always going to tell a patient to take um, iodine at the same time. Um, Another reason is that if a patient has a goiter, an enlarged goiter, um, taking thyroid hormone by itself will help to shrink the goiter, but it only shrinks it in one particular way. It's called hypertrophy or enlargement of the thyroid gland. But what it won't do is decrease something called hyperplasia, which is actually setting down more cells. But what does decrease hyperplasia in the thyroid gland is iodine. So if you're taking, if you're on thyroid, you have a goiter, you want to make sure you're on iodine as well as the thyroid hormone to have the best um, success of decreasing the thyroid gland size and decreasing that goiter. Another reason to use the iodine is because um, we find that in um, nodules, thyroid nodules, and thyroid cancer, in thyroid nodules, there's about, it's about 52% less iodine than it would be in normal thyroid tissue. In thyroid mm. cancer, there's only about 3% iodine present in that thyroid cancer area. So wow. we know that iodine is this huge relationship with thyroid cancer and nodules to some degree. And so that's another reason why I would be telling a patient to make sure they're taking it. Plus, thyroid hormone is really, in essence, a delivery mechanism for the body for iodine. That's really why we have thyroid, a thyroid gland and thyroid hormone in our body. It's attempting to deliver iodine in a very unique way to our cells. And so iodine in and of itself is just important to help not only with the thyroid gland, but your entire body. Breast tissue concentrates iodine. Your ovaries actually concentrate iodine second only to the thyroid gland. The thymus, uh, a man's prostate, salivary glands, muscle, all have the ability to concentrate iodine and need iodine in order to function correctly. Um, so for me, uh, any, any patient that's on thyroid hormone medication, prescription thyroid hormone medication for me, will also be on iodine. And if you're on iodine, you need to make sure you're taking selenium at the same time. If you are selenium deficient and take iodine at the same and, and take iodine while you're selenium deficient, you can actually make things worse in your thyroid. So the doses that I recommend in general um, are 12.5 milligrams of iodine. Now I emphasize oh, wow. milligrams because a lot of iodine out there is in micrograms but it's 12.5 milligrams of iodine with about 200 micrograms of selenium. And now, so patients that, taking that, they're, they're largely protecting themselves. Okay, so you are a proponent of high-dose iodine then? I am, yes. Um, I, Is it I've more of a saturation? I'm sorry, go yes. ahead. Yes, in full-body saturation. At 12.5 milligrams, full-body saturation will occur in about a year. Um, in my book, I, I talk about dosing um, as high as 50 milligrams um, of, of iodine and for about three months, and then you would reduce to a maintenance dose of 12.5 milligrams. But I have found over the years now that um, it's, it's better just to give the 12.5. It might take a little bit longer to get there, but I see less side effects 
with the iodine. There's not a lot of side effects with iodine, but some of them, what really the side effect of the iodine will be for some people is that it starts to dig up um, mercury, lead, bromide, fluoride. Bromide. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it, so there's other toxins in the system that iodine has a very good way of detoxifying. But if that's done too rapidly, if the dose is a little bit larger, and then that's done a little bit rapidly, and patients can get a metallic taste in their mouth, um, a frontal sinus headache, uh, their sinuses can almost get stuffed to some degree. It's just really a detox reaction, and that can just be unpleasant. So I've found that now that I just lower the dose to 12.5 milligrams, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen these type of detox reactions. They're still getting the benefit of the detox. It's just happening slower. Do you think that and people that actually have a... with... Go ahead, Dana. Go ahead. I was just going to say, no, even ahead. with Hashimoto's, Dr. Robinson... Yeah, we have a yeah. couple of circumstances you for you we're going to hit you with. <laughs> okay. All right, yep. got it. Hashimoto's is the first yeah, one. Yeah, do you recommend... Yeah, Hashimoto's. What do you think? Iodine with Hashimoto's? I, I do. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the work of uh, Dr. Brownstein, Dr. Fletch's, uh, and uh, doc, particularly Dr. Abraham, and the reason too is because they've they've done copious research on this and they've they've gone in through the literature. A lot of this is in my book, um, and what they found was particularly that there, it, there there's been a concern about iodine potentially causing um, an autoimmune reaction when it's in excess, and sometimes milligram amounts of iodine are considered excess. This only occurs in a selenium deficiency. So, um, and even with that, it's, it's very rare. But it is the potential issue of having other nutrient deficiencies, particularly selenium, that then may cause that problem. But the main one is selenium. So, again, for all my patients, if they're on iodine, they are automatically on selenium to ensure that they're replete in, in that selenium. So then we don't have to worry about that. So if somebody comes in already with Hashimoto's, I've actually seen the opposite. I've seen their um, anti-TPO titers, which is that blood uh, parameter that shows um, uh, the Hashimoto's, the presence of the Hashimoto's. I've seen those actually go down the more uh, iodine that they were on. But it takes time. It takes months, if not years, for that to, to sometimes occur, along with other things that you're doing concomitantly. But, yeah, I don't see an issue with that. I do know it can be somewhat uh, controversial. Sometimes people do think it should be a, a microgram amount or maybe a milligram or two. Um, uh, I think because we, are, we have so many pesticides, again, bromide, uh, these things compete with um, iodine, uh, fluoride. It's just in toothpaste and in our, our water supply. It competes Not in mine. Yeah, <laughs> not, <laughs> not in mine either. Did you say not, not in yours, Dana? Down there, you guys don't have any fluoride. Yeah, not, not in fluoride mine. Either? No, I have. I got some some really good toothpaste, and we have our our Berkey filter. So not in mine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah. teasing. <laughs> yeah, it's, so I let think me it ask you a question. To, to filter water because because of that one reason, but. In general, obviously, people are getting exposed to a lot of things that are competing with iodine. We don't put iodine in our food supply like we used to. So what I'm getting at is that I think that the milligram amounts help to um, offset the inevitability of the exposure of iodine-depleting type of substances that are in, that are in our diet and in our environment. Um, plus, again, just it, it just seems to work uh, extremely well, and I just countless, countless patients on that dosing. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I've just studying both sides and and 
you know, having had uh, kidney failure twice and kidney issues, the idea of taking that amount of iodine when we would never encounter that in natural foods, we would never even come close to that. It's such a scary concept for me to wrap my head around. It it really just is. And, And every time I try to go, I've gotten up to about as high as, 800 micrograms and, you know, um, I start, you know, having blood in my urine and my kidneys start to hurt and it's just, it's a very frustrating subject for me just mm-hmm. to just to share that with you. Yes. Um, and yeah, any, and I any would think that... food for um, thought on those with kidney issues? And, yeah. and uh, I totally get the whole, you know, detoxing and, you know, the, the, the halogen explos- exposure and competition and but how does somebody who really can't do that uh, do that? Well, one, reduce the dose, just like you said. I mean, you know, uh, these recommendations that I'm talking about here are very uh, general at this point. When a patient sits in front of me, they're a unique individual with a unique medical history. And so sometimes you just have to, frankly, lower the dose. They just can't get those kind of uh, amounts in the system. Um, With that said, too, when people have these detox reactions, it is also handled by um, other nutrients, Uh, magnesium being probably the the, the top one, vitamin C being another one. So sometimes people need to actually detox and go through a detox process before we could ever dream of increasing the uh, the iodine uh, to get a lot of those things that are maybe leading into why someone may have, let's say, for example, a kidney issue or whatever. Or we could detox all day long and it wouldn't matter, and you just have to simply keep the dose lower. I'll go back to another point you had mentioned that we don't necessarily encounter um, 12.5 milligrams. Um, actually, in Japan, that's not true. Um, the average uh, intake in Japan is 13.8 milligrams um, daily. Um, largely coming from in the form of uh, seed vegetables. So they get a lot of seaweed there, seaweed that's even uh, denser in iodine than a lot of the seaweed we would have available here, and they eat a lot of it. Um, so now, did they, found, was that true, though, Dr. Robinson? Was well, that, yeah, was that know, true it, prior to 1940s, or, were they, or did they start to cultivate, uh, harvest and cultivate uh, kelp as a means to counterbalance an overconsumption of soy and a thyroid problem they were experiencing around the 1940s. Did they did they actually consume sea vegetables to that amount prior to 1940? Well, the, honestly, I don't know the answer to that question prior to 1940. Um, but um, I do know that that's the best information that I've seen is that it is in and around that. I know it's been controversial. I've seen other uh, physicians challenge that number. I've seen other physicians come back and say, no, the number is accurate. Um, I think they're deriving the, the numbers from uh, the ministry uh, there in Japan. Um, right, because that's, so, yeah. that's the primary country that they base that statistic on. No other yes. country consumes that amount of, um, you know, sea vegetables or kelp or, or iodine. Really, they're they're really exclusive to that. And I know they have some wonderful health benefits to that that we could talk about all day long. But my concern is, you know, we really would never experience that, although I do agree that when we were coastal people, we definitely consumed a significant uh, amount, a greater amount of iodine through the seafood that we were eating, plus our foods would have been higher in iodine, you know, uh, because they would have been grown in coastal soil. We had iodine that we were absorbing through the skin. So, that that is a really yeah that's just it's such a great subject for me. I wish somebody would host this great iodine debate. 
<laughs> you know? Well, and again, instead I of being, you know, defensive, really just uh, throwing it all out there. Abraham and Fletches. I we really love Dr. Brownstein. I have read all of his books, and um, I, I love him. And I totally wrap my head around all of the philosophy and everything, the studies and everything. And in, in my first bout of kidney failure at six was due to E. coli, which is a, a, oh. a, a, a sign of iodine deficiency in children. So, I mean, I am just a poster child for it, but I can't, <laughs> I can't physically do what people, you know, Say that I should be doing. I fit, my body physically will not do it. Won't well, again, this whole it. should thing. I mean, you know, it it it, it should be the dose that's going to work for you. Um, so, and again, that's that's the for me the exciting thing about working with you know human beings that one plus one doesn't always equal two. Sometimes it equals two and a half or three. It's it's not always textbook, and so there can be generalizations about things, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that that needs to be a unique thing for you. And that's again. Well, and I'm lovingly referred to as opposite woman. <laughs> my family and everything. Rare yeah. disorder and opposite woman is kind of a joke <laughs> with me, but uh, you know, it's still. I know there's got to be other people out there that are experiencing that same thing. And and I know we have to let you go. I I for one have just thoroughly enjoyed you and um, your information that you put forward, and I love your unique philosophy and approach to your patients. Just. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much, and Dana. Are you with approach. us? There she is. There she I is. am. I, well, geez, I couldn't couldn't really get a word in edgewise. <laughs> she was just on a, on a roll there. I'm sorry. I'm speaking my truth. She, um, <laughs> yes, you are speaking your truth, Speak your woman. Truth. No, um, yes, Doctor Doctor Robinson, your your points, um, mind body connection, and the way you approach your patients is is very refreshing. And and I thank you for sharing that with us today and for being on because. That is a really, uh, you know, underutilized tool, connecting all of those. Mm-hmm. So so thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for uh, allowing me to just speak my truth. And uh, I think, again, you both are doing an amazing job uh, with the website and, and with getting the message out. Um, I applaud you, you both. And I look forward to, uh, if you'd have me, uh, to, to come back on again in the future. Oh, we would love that. And we want Absolutely. those videos of Absolutely. your measurements. Yeah, I know. I think you're on YouTube, correct, Dr. Robinson? The videos. Can can we get some videos of those for Thyroid Nation? I have uh, have some things written down here already. We're going to make sure we get a video for the Fireflex and get all that set up, and I think that would be wonderful for the viewers and listeners. Yeah, that would be really great. Okay, just so everybody can know um, how we find, how can we, how can everybody find you out there? You're on Twitter. You, it's, uh, your website is drjohnarobinson.com, correct? Yeah, D, yes, drjohnarobinson.com. They can also uh, get through the portal by going to thyrozone.com, T-H-Y-R-O-Z-O-N-E.com. Um, they can find me on Facebook at Dr. John Robinson NMD, um, and there's also a Thyrozone uh, Facebook page as well that's uh, being developed and, and just starting. So um, a lot of information there as well, and there will be more things for the future. I will say that um, patients do come and see me here in Arizona, and if they do, i got patients coming from all over the country to come and see me, and they obviously have the benefit of um, working with me uh, directly here, and then prescriptive uh, opportunities are, are there. However, if some people think they can't actually make it into Arizona, and they just wanted to get 
general advice. It wouldn't be considered medical uh, treatment at that point, but it could be general advice. Um, we have those opportunities, uh, and that can be done over the phone. And sometimes that points people in the right direction about what to do uh, for their thyroid and getting some of those answers that they, they know they uh, need and deserve. That's fabulous. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time. And uh, kiss that sweet baby girl for us and tell I your wife congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, sir, thank you so much for taking your time on Sunday. Have a great, great day. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye, Bye. Dr. Robinson. Oh, my gosh. I swear these guests just keep getting better and better. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it great? Well, let's get through our through our spiel and then see if we have any time to talk after that. Okay, so next week we have the amazing Fabian Hymans and Pearl Thomas of HashimotosAwareness.org. They'll both be live with us from New York City, which is going to be very cool, HashimotosAwareness.org. Got to check that out. Very cool. And as always, a very, very big thank you to all of our listeners. We really want you to share your Thyroid Thriver journey with us at ThyroidNation.com. Thyroid Thrivers, submit your story. It's not about whether you're healed or not. It's about the journey that counts. So, And it oftentimes can help other people not feel so alone and offer a light to the path of their own journey. And a very big thank you, as always, to our amazing Thyroid Nation radio team. Penny Jensen was on with us live today, so thank you, Penny. And if you'd like to see the other uh, team members, check out ThyroidNation.com. Make and sure also to follow also us follow- on Facebook. And yeah, follow Thyroid Nation at thyroidnation.com on Facebook at Thyroid Nation as well as in the Hashis and Graves Facebook support group where you can get asked questions and get resources and other people's uh, uh, input on things. Also follow Thyroid Nation on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope, absolutely. And tune into Thyroid Nation Radio Weekly. That's right, Periscope. We've been doing some scopes. We're trying to learn how to do it. We're getting better and better. Tiffany's going to be scoping too, so you guys got to check us out. <laughs> check out Twitter and you'll find our Periscope. We want to remind you all that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what, is, what it is telling you. I think that's pretty much a wrap. I don't think we have time to say anything I'm except for hi so. to Christine Boyle, who was, who was listening to me today, and I was going to talk about my new product the makeup eraser which we'll have to talk about next week it's really cool find it on my facebook i mean on my uh, website page we're going to have an ad up later again that's makeup eraser it's very very cool but very that's cool it. this is dana that's your it. thyroid nation gringa tika from costa rica and tiffany Milanich of grateful garden thanks so much guys bye bye